Blog Talk Radio. vocal group from the CD Native Angels by Save. This is just an awesome CD that I dearly love, and you may get your copy from going to savae.org, or you can uh, find them on Facebook, and they also do live shows, uh, so you can, I think you have a phone number here, 210-573-6335. You can listen to them for free on YouTube, 
and you they're also available on their CD on Amazon.com. And I would like to welcome everybody to Sacred Sunday. Uh, I'm your host, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide a focus on the tenant that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of my Ryrie Study Bible. It's a special Bible that I found uh, by the trash can. Somebody had thrown it away, and I picked it up. And it's been awesome reading it ever since, and I'm on my second copy. Because I lined the first one up so much uh, that the falling apart. But anyway, uh, you may use any Bible you wish, of course. And then there's the online Bible, uh, www.biblia.com. And let's see, we're just focused on being our real selves, carrying the message, and really not worrying about uh, everything else. We're just here to nod our heads in prayer and also read our Bible. And that's it. And we learn a little bit every week, week by week. We're making our way through the whole Bible. Um, let's see, we air every Sunday, 11 a.m., so it's extended time. So let's say together our opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. There's something going on worldwide. And we know that uh, their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And also the church's antiquities are all in trouble. They're being destroyed. And uh, those lives who are taken for distorted evil reasons. And we believe that they become martyrs. And we pray for the suffering from violence here at home and from abroad. We also pray for those who are sick in mind and body, that they get a healing or they get comfort. We pray for those that are lonely and uncomforted. Forgive us, God, for our sins and help us. We pray for the suffering from domestic violence in their own homes, and and we pray that people have freedom from addiction from all kinds. Please, God, send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect them and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all the the little ones who suffer, including the the animals that can't speak for themselves. And we also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers, that they have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries and for problems of suffering all over the whole world. Thank you, God. Amen. We also ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care, that we come to an understanding what we need to do to carry on in this life. And we wish everybody in there, keep them in our prayers. And we want to say, uh, have a blessed Memorial Day. Uh, this is Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we want to keep in mind all those who have passed giving service to our country. God bless everybody is still serving. And God bless those and remember those that have passed. And I want to include everybody a happy birthday. If this is your birthday today, um, I wish you a very happy and blessed day birthday with a very prosperous year ahead and um, also 
if you want me to uh, announce anything or make special announcements, just let me know. Okay, so uh, there's another uh, Bible source, online Bible source, if you don't have a Bible with you. It's www.biblegateway.com. And remember, last week we were doing uh, first, sorry, First Corinthians 3. So we're going to go back and read the summary. Okay, let's see here. We're going to go back and read the summary. Corinthians 3. Hold on one moment. I'm here in Southern California. I just want to let you guys know that it's beautiful weather here. And I feel very blessed this morning to have such this beauty to look out on and look in the backyard. It's grass and birds and everything else. And I have a little uh, uh, cabana out there so the sun isn't blazing very hot in here. It's just perfect. And uh, I'm very grateful. I am. At night, I even enjoy it. That, uh, how fresh and cool the air has been and I feel like God's just blessing me. Um, I have been, I'm waiting for this computer to to load the notes. So that's what I'm doing right now. Anyway, so um, I moved, I've been very ill with a thyroid problem and um, I just keep doing the best thing I can is showing up. So I've been showing up to work and showing up for church and that's about it. I'm not doing anything else and uh, I go in for MRI soon, and then hopefully you get surgery. Um, if anybody knows what a hyperparathyroidism is, uh, it's people are really suffering with this. I never knew anything about it, so um, I have it, and I have uh, it's pretty uh, pretty bad. And uh, as a matter of fact, my numbers are are way out of line, and. This is causing me a lot of bone pain, a lot of suffering. I'm telling you my prayers are being answered little by little. Um, I also want to say that uh, I was diagnosed with glaucoma. And through the grace of God, it totally reversed itself. I can't believe the doctor looked at me and said, since the last time I saw you, uh, the glaucoma has reversed itself. So I'm using your eye drops twice a day. And the whole thing reversed itself. I can hardly believe it. Anyway, I was just talking to you about my gratitude. And I want to thank God uh, for for everything. So let's see. Okay, we're talking about Chapter 3, remember, next week. And it's about people being spiritual ba- babies. And Paul uh, was actually telling them off. So let's read the notes from the www.schmoop.com. Uh, tiny little spiritual babies. One, wondering just who knows all this stuff about spiritual stuff, it's Paul. Paul explains that he came to the Corinthians. He couldn't speak to them like people in the spirit because they weren't. They were like little babies who weren't ready to eat their mashed peas. <laughs> anyway, it's cute. Uh, bad news, though. They're still just sitting there like tiny babies crying in their high chairs. Paul puts it this way. They're living in the flesh, not living in the spirit. And that doesn't sound too good. It just means that as long as you keep arguing about who to follow... They're acting like boring old human beings and not like people who have been transformed by the Spirit of Christ. Okay, really, Paul says it doesn't matter. Apollo, Apollos, Cephas, or Paul, they're all serving the same God, so who's keeping score? Paul might have been one who planted the seeds, 
when Apollo stepped in to water them, but it was God who made it grow. Okay, here's another. Paul laid the foundation, and Paul took the building process after he left, so on. See, Paul explains that the builder gets to build whatever he wants, but he still has to fit his old house to the foundation. And if the whole house burns down, guess what's left? The foundation. That's right. That's an example for all of us. So to recap, yes, Apollos and Cephas are great, but they do not need to be building on that spiritual foundation that Paul left. That is why that or the fire is really going to get you. So I remember uh, once that in my mind many, many years ago, I think it was 35 years ago now, that I had a vision of a foundation. If you make that strong, the rest of your life will, will rest on that. And it turned out to be true. And if you keep your spirituality as your foundation, I think that's when you get solid. Uh, even if things in life go wrong, you still have that follow the solid base uh, stand on. Anyway, then he goes on to say your body is a temple. Don't forget, Paul tells them, that you guys are God's temples because God's spirit is in all of you. What does that mean? Well, for starters, you shouldn't be destroying God's handiwork. If you do, the Almighty is going to get you. Anyway, that's where they're afraid in. Please, Paul says, don't lie to yourself. Don't try to raise yourselves up and be smarter than everybody else. It's rude. And besides, no one likes to know it all. Instead, the Corinthians should be stupid. What? Well, God has a hard time reaching people who think they know everything. But stupid people, they're like a blank slate and that God can write his name on. We're guessing after he writes it all and draws out little hearts around it. Anyway, so again, don't brag about who you're following. Paul, Apollos, Josephus. Everyone belongs to God in the end. So that's that's our uh, notes from the last chapter from last week. So now we're going to read our Bible, so turn it to Corinthians chapter 4. When we first started, remember we started in the Gospels, you know, Matthew, and we've made it all the way to the Corinthians. Anyway, I'm just, little by little, chapter by chapter, we're forging ahead. So let us read and be attentive. Chapter 4. Let a man regard us in this manner, as servants of Christ and the stewards of mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of the stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes will both bring to light the things hidden and in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's heart. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. Well, that's powerful. So let's, let's just read that again just so we can, we can get that. And uh, Paul says he doesn't even think about himself or search himself. So anyway, he says, I am conscious of nothing against myself. Yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's heart. 
and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Wow. Okay, so we're moving on to six. Now, these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollo for your sakes, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what, what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had, you had not received it? You are already filled and you have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings that you would also might reign, so we also might reign with you. For I think God has exhibited us apostles, the last of all as men, condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are the fools for Christ's sake, and you are the prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly, poorly clothed, and are roughly treated, and are homeless. And we toil, working with our own hands, when we are reviled. We bless when we are persecuted. We endure when we are slandered. We try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, and the dregs of all things, even until now. And our beautiful apostles, that's the way they smelled. And that's how they were treated. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some have become arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out, not in the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod? Wow, these are where the threats come in. Or love and spiritual gentleness. Then we're on to five. So let's go back and read the notes. Servants. The word denotes subordination originally an underroar in a trerime, a ship with three banks of oars. This is different from the servants used elsewhere. Trustworthy. Reliability is one necessity for virtue of stewards or the managers or administrators of large estates against myself. Paul is saying, I have a clear conscience, but my final judgment rests with God. At the judgment seat of Christ, when motives are revealed, all believers will receive some praise from God, and and all will bear some fruit. Gosh, that sounds just beautiful. Okay, I have figuratively applied. Though Paul had been speaking of himself and Apollos, others whom he did not name were the real culprits that in us you may learn not to see what is written. For example, that you might learn by us to live faithfully according to the scriptures. And then uh, 4, 8 through 13, with buying irony, 
Paul contrasts the imagined exaltation of the Corinthians with the degradation and distress that the apostles had for daily spectacle, theater, referring either to the gladiator contest or the triumphal procession of a Roman general bringing captured soldiers to the arena. Likewise, the apostles in the arena of this world were fighting to the death. Tutors, the same word is used in Galatians. Uh, the Corinthians had many instructors, but only one spiritual father, and that's Paul. As a spiritual father, Paul would either discipline it, the rod, if necessary. Okay, so that's it for Corinthians for this week. Um, very interesting, and he's telling everybody off. So, <laughs> anyway, I do have a story uh, that I picked, and um, it's from Guy Post, this love stories. And it's called Homecoming. It's by Diana Spencer, um, Daytona Beach, Florida. In the summer of 84, it was hot, even by South Dakota standards. Parching winds blast across the plains, raising a storm of prairie dust. Nothing cooled off in a short, restless night. Each day seems to melt to the next. Even now, a dozen years later, and about 2,000 miles away, there was a day that summer branded into my memory to the day that Dallas came home. A golden haze clung to the morning air as I made my way to our garden, crunching over a swarm of potato beetles that had arrived in the night. Oh, God, I hate those. Anyway, I gazed about in the direction of a stream that lays behind my neighbor's house and thought about how cool and fresh it would feel. Within a moment caught my eye. There was an the edge of a property period our old standing in the shimmering heat, his feathered tail high and his tongue spilling out of his dripping muzzle, as if he had just had a long, cool drink from the stream. Sure as I stood there, it was Dallas. Now, I know that the quizzical cock of his head anywhere and how he lifted his ears the way humans raise their eyebrows. Dallas, where did you come from? I gasped, going to him. He had taken form almost like a mirage. One minute he wasn't there, the next he was. Where are my eyes playing tricks? He had no business being anywhere near our house. Months earlier, we had been forced to give our eight-year-old daughter, Sarman's dog, to a farmer miles outside of town. I still remember the, the, the look of puzzled concern in Dallas' eyes as they drove away without him. But he had become increasingly hard to handle as he grew up. Not a bad dog, mind you, but extremely vigorous. This dog needs a job, our vet said with a chuckle. What he meant, he explained, was that the working genes in Dallas was dominant. This breed was originally developed to herd, and Dallas was an extra strong dose of an instinct, he explained. He tried to make Charmin understand that her dog would be happier on a big farm and that she really loved him and she would let him go good hard. In the end, I thought it was better to whisk off Dallas rather than make a big to-do about his departure. Charmin was heartbroken for a while and seems to get over it. However, I still wondered if I had done the right thing. In my prayers, I asked God for some reassurance that I had behaved like a good mother. Now, here was Dallas before my very eyes. I heard of dogs traveling great distances to return to their previous homes, but it would have been logical for Dallas to have done that when we first came to the farm there months ago. As far as I knew, he was happy. Maybe on this busy, sizzling summer day, some God's angels had him back to say a formal goodbye to Charmin. 
Charlie, honey, come here. I called in the house. Hurry. Sooner or later, we would have to contact the farmer and let him know they're also safe. But meantime, I couldn't wait to see Charmin's face when she saw him. I ran back to the house and met her on the porch and led her down near the stream. Her mouth flew open. She formed the word Dallas. But no sound came out. Their eyes met, and he nuzzled his head into her cupped hands. There was a contented weariness to him. He rolled on his back and invited Charmin to squat down and scratch his matted chest. She spoke to him quietly, and I left him to himself for a few minutes. And I walked walked back to our yard, and I fed him some leftover bacon and eggs and toast crust from the breakfast, politely as we had taught him. How quickly he made the food disappear. He needs a bath, I told Charlotte, and uh, crinkling my nose. And I sent her inside to get an old towel and a brush that still bore Dallas's teeth marks on the handle and a bottle of dog shampoo. When I hauled out the hose to use the water of our garden, he proceeded to give Dallas the works. Poised patiently in the patch of grass, Dallas basked in all the loving attention as he combed out the snarls in his thick coat. Running my hand across his fur, I studied his familiar markings and asymmetrical black coloring on his ears, his frothy chest, and his white paws. He sure was dirty, I told Charmin when we finished. That farmer must be keeping him busy. By then, we all we needed was a nap, so we curled up together in a pool of shade by the lilac bushes. I dreamed of an angel carrying Dallas through a wind-whipped sea of tall grass. A while later, the sound of my husband Jim coming up drove us, awoke us, and I waved and called him over. Look, it's Dallas, I cried. It's him, all right, Jim declared, giving an infection scratch by the ear. I'll be. Well, agreed it was time to contact the farmer, and Jim went inside the number, called the number. Charmin, Dallas, and I followed. And the dog waited on the porch as we went in, giving my aunt a lick as I closed the screen door. Jim phoned while I had a little chat with Charmin about the dog. I was afraid she'd keep growing the task again. I wanted to make sure she understood that Dallas was to be returned. Honey, maybe we can go visit Dallas on the farm from time to time. Do you like that? And Charmin nodded and said, sure. I was still a little bit amazed at how calmly she was taking it. But as she and the dog had become understanding... Jim hung up and looked at me perplexed. I just had the strangest conversation. They won't be coming for the dog. What? They won't be coming. The farmer says it's not Dallas. Of course it's Dallas. He says it can't be. Jim replied softly. Dallas was badly hurt in an accident a few days ago. It had to be put down. For a moment, we were all frozen in silence. I went to the porch, Dallas. I cried, opening the door. There was no Dallas to be seen anywhere. God works in amazing ways in our lives. We can't always explain how. The only indication that Dallas had been here was the old wet towel flapping on the clothesline. We all have our opinions about how God worked just then and why. I like to believe that on a lazy summer day, he brought Dallas back to us so that we could all say goodbye properly. We never saw him again. Nor did anyone in our neighborhood ever spot a dog looking anything like him. Dallas had gone to his reward, home at last. This is what we can all pray for, is that I have had spirits just like that, so I know that it's true. And what a blessing. Gosh, amen. Okay, so um, this will be the, the closing for today. 
I really appreciate all those who are listening, all those who are listening archives. I want to say God bless you. God bless you. Keep persevering, though you may be upset, hurt. There's no time to quit now. And don't quit just before the miracle happens. You know, you might think it's the end, but it's not the end. It could be a new beginning. And I wish you every good thing. So let's together say the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And in closing, may God bless and keep in his loving arms that you may have the strength for a face, whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. God bless you. Amen.